When I was a boy, I enjoyed tossing a rock into the pond or into the lake. I remember doing that over and over and over. I'd do it again and again and and just marvel at those perfect concentric circles that would come out. It fascinated me that you could take a rock, rock of any shape or any size and once you tossed it into the water, these perfect circles came from what you tossed into that water and, and those ripples just continued to go out. And I would just like to watch those ripples go out and see how far they would go. You know, ripples don't just occur in ponds and lakes. They also happen in life. Merriam-Webster in the dictionary defines the ripple effect this way. It says, a situation in which one event causes a series of other events to happen. Now hear that again. A situation in which one event causes a series of other events to happen. One decision, one moment, one event can cause a series of other events that would never have happened without that first event. That first time, that first decision, that first moment, that first act, that first event causes a series of other events to happen. Now, we've all seen this in a negative way, haven't we? It'd be easy for us to come up with examples of how this has occurred in a negative way. All you have to do is just look into your Bible to to find examples of the ripple effect. For example, King David. King David, in that one moment, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And in that one moment, there began to be ripples that came out of that event. His relationship with God was wrecked for about a year. His credibility was lost with his family and lost in his kingdom. Uriah was killed. His child eventually died. And then he experienced the personal grief of all of that put together. All because of one bad decision, one moment, one event that caused a series of other events to happen. You could probably make a a ripple list yourself. You could make a list of consequences that occur and the people that are affected by your sin. Now, it's easy for us to think of ripples in the context of something negative that occurs. Because we've seen that and we've experienced that. But the ripples in your life can also have a positive impact on people. And that's really what I want to talk about in this series the positive impact that ripples in our lives can have on others. Many of you could probably testify about the influence that someone has had on your life. The influence that someone has had on your walk with God because of the way that they lived their lives. There was a ripple effect. Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent. It could be perhaps a good friend or somebody uh, from school or maybe somebody from your work or perhaps it's a man or a woman in this church. Or maybe it's a Bible teacher or a preacher that you admire. There's just something about the way that they lived their lives that impacted your life. It was just something about the way that they loved Jesus that caused you to love Jesus too. There was just something about their faith that caused your faith to be stronger. It's the ripple effect. But here's the strange thing about that. They probably weren't trying to do that, were they? 
They, were not, they probably weren't, weren't trying to impact your faith. They probably weren't trying to, to make you love Jesus more. They probably were not intentionally trying to impact your life. They were just trying to intentionally live their lives for the Lord. And you noticed. You noticed. You noticed because they were simply trying to live their lives for the Lord. And you noticed. And it impacted you. That's the ripple effect. And what I want to show you over the next several weeks is the impact that your life can have on others. That the impact that your life can make might be bigger and greater than you realize. The impact of your life may go out further than you ever imagined. So beginning today, I want to talk to you about five ways that you can multiply your life. Five ways that you can make a difference. Five ways that your life can affect others' lives. Now throughout the Bible, we find a pattern where God impacts a person before that person can impact others. Now hear that again. This this is very important. Throughout the Bible, when you pick up your Bible, begin to read story after story, you'll find this, that God impacts a person before that person can impact others. For example, before Moses was able to lead a nation of two to three million people out of Egypt, he had to have a powerful encounter himself with the living God. The burning bush had to come before the exodus. The first step of Israel's 40-year journey out of slavery and to the promised land began with the work that God did in one man named Moses. Yes, God wanted to bring the people out of Egypt. Yes, it was a great nation. And yes, God worked through Moses to bring them out of slavery. But before he ever did that, God did a great work in Moses. God worked in one life. He worked in one man. You see, that's the pattern throughout the Bible. God impacts a person before he impacts others. Or to put it another way, God works in your life before he can work through your life. Most great movements of God begin with the stirring of just one heart and the victories accomplished in just one life. And then through that one life, surrendered to Christ, There is the ripple effect that impacts the lives of many. So today and throughout the next several weeks, I want to talk to you about those five ways that our lives can impact others. And I'm going to give you one today. If you're taking notes, I'll just give you the the one way now, and then we'll work our way through Scripture to try to see this played out in Scripture. Here's one way that God often works through our lives to impact others. Day by day, God works in us. Day by day, God works in us. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that you were going to show us how God works through through our lives to impact others. I am. But the only way that God's going to use the ripple effect of your life is if day by day, God is working in you. See, too many people are past tense Christians. What I mean by past tense Christians is that they look back to the time when they got saved. They look back to the time when when they were 10 or they were 12 or they were 15 and they they prayed a prayer, they were baptized, and if you ask them if they're a Christian, they would say yes. Now sometimes they live like the devil during the week, but they point back 
to that time when they made a, a decision. They point back to that time when they prayed a prayer. They point back to that time when they were baptized. And, and I'm glad if you had that time in your life, I'm glad that you've had that time. I'm glad that you can look back to a day, to a place, to a time, and say, that's where I met Christ. That's where I made a decision. That's where I prayed a prayer. That's where I was baptized. I'm glad that you can do that. Ladies and gentlemen, if God's going to use your life at all, you've got to be more than a past tense Christian. You need to be a present tense Christian. A present tense Christian is someone through whom God is working today. And if I were to ask you, what has God done in your life lately? I hope that you would not just point back to when you were 10 or 12. Because, listen, that's been a while, hasn't it? I hope that you'd not just point back to years ago. I hope that you'd be able to say, let me tell you what God has been doing in my life uh, lately. Let me show you what God did in my life on Monday. Let me tell you how God changed me this past Monday. That's a present tense Christian. And if God is going to use us, if there's going to be that ripple effect through our lives, here's where it has to start. Day by day, you let God work in you. Now, let me tell you a story that illustrates this principle. Open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Judges. The Old Testament book of Judges. While you're turning there, I will give you the background context of this scripture. Year after year, the Midianites were terrorizing the tribes of Israel. Year after year, they would sweep in and take the crops and destroy the crops and destroy the land. And year after year, the Midianites were terrorizing the people of God and the tribes of Israel. Until, until the day came when God changed a man named Gideon. In the beginning, Gideon did not see himself as someone through whom God would work. In the beginning, Gideon had a hard time seeing himself as someone through whom God could use in the beginning, Gideon could not see himself as a leader. He couldn't see the ripple effect of his life affecting anybody. And in fact, when God first approached him, Gideon protested that he was the least of his family, and that his family was the least in the tribes, and that his tribe was the least in all of Israel. God had to do a special work, though, in Gideon. And he did it day by day, so that God could eventually do a work through Gideon. And if you read in the Old Testament, God did an amazing thing through Gideon, but it all started in that day-by-day work in Gideon. So let's pick up the text now, Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit today, so I hope that you'll stay with me. I hope that you'll follow the text, and then we'll dig in in a few places. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Would you say the word again? What does, what does again imply? Talk to me. More than once. This was a repeated cycle that God's people were going through. I, w- I wish we had time to talk about the whole concept of the book of Judges, but it just notice this. Again, the Israelites, God's people, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. This was their punishment for for rejecting God. And it says in verse 2, Because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. 
Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. and They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Isn't that an interesting statement? Midian so impoverished the Israelites who were living in the caves and in hiding out, they finally got to the point where they once again cried out to God for help. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes we go a long way before we're willing to turn back to God, don't we? Sometimes we experience so much of God's judgment and we experience it again and again until we're willing to cry out to God for help. Verse 7, though, is, is a good verse. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery, and I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors, and I drove them from before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Can I just say to you that when we fail to listen to God, we'll eventually pay for it. When we fail to listen to, to God, we will eventually experience the consequences of that. Now, God in His grace, because the people of God had cried out to Him for deliverance, He begins to, to bring about that deliverance beginning in verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. And what's the next word? Next two words. Mighty warrior. Now you remember that because Gideon is not going to look like a mighty warrior. He's not going to act like a mighty warrior. Well, could it be that God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself? Could it be that God sees potential in you that you don't yet recognize? I think so. Now let's pick up the text again. I love verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Some of you have asked that question, haven't you? Some of you probably have asked that question recently. You may have even asked that question this week. If God is really with us, why has all of this happened to us? If God is real, if God is loving, if God is here, if God is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And then this is another good question. Where are all of His wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Gideon, right now, in this particular part of the text, Gideon is not real happy with God. Gideon is not having a revival. Gideon is not the man that you would choose through whom God would work. Gideon has all kinds of questions for God and anger towards God and wonders, what in the world, God, are you doing? 
And if you are who you say you are, where are all these wonders we've heard about in the past? God, if you can do something, why haven't you done it? Then look at verse 14. The Lord, what's that next phrase? The Lord did what? Turned to him. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. We're going to read some more in that story in just a moment. Let, let me give you uh, three different phrases today to help you understand what it means to live day by day in obedience to God. The first phrase that I want to give you today to help you understand what that day-by-day relationship is this one. Self-denial. Self-denial. Day-by-day, denying yourself. And we have a hard time doing that. We have a hard time denying ourselves. And Gideon is a prime example of this. When God was speaking to, to Gideon and God challenged Gideon, God gave Gideon the chance to impact his nation, Gideon's first response was, I can't. Who am I? He had a hard time believing that God wanted to use him for the task. When you you have this opportunity that God places before you, sometimes it's very easy to look at ourselves and say, as Gideon did, verse 15, how can I save Israel? You might want to underline that word I or circle it. How can I save Israel? Gideon had trouble believing That God could do anything through his life. He probably was the most reluctant servant in the scripture. And when God tapped him on the shoulder, he felt so unqualified. And he was reluctant to do whatever God was leading him to do. Lord, he was basically saying in verse 15, look at my resume. I don't have an impressive resume. I'm the lowest and the weakest of the tribes. And my family is the lowest and weakest family in that tribe. And I am the lowest and the weakest person in the family. God, I'm the most unlikely candidate in all of Israel. Why in the world would you even look at someone like me? I'm very unqualified. I am very much unable. Everybody, look up here for a moment. Do you think think that God knew that before he tapped Gideon on the shoulder? I think he did, didn't he? He knew what family he was a part of. He knew what tribe he was a part of. He knew what was happening in Gideon's life. But Gideon was reluctant to do what God was calling him to do because he was so focused on self. And so he goes through this struggle of being so reluctant and and trying to wrestle with what God was asking him to do. So let's fast forward the story. Let's go to verse 36. Gideon said to God in verse 36, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor, and if there is dew on the the fleece and and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by whose hand? By my hand. He's still having trouble with this I and my. He says, okay, I'm going to put wool fleece on the threshing floor, And if there is dew on the fleece, 
and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you'll save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. (laughs) And that is what happened. What do you think Gideon thought when he looked that day, and that is what happened? It's like, uh uh-oh. But, you need to understand, there was this day-by-day progression, this day-by-day working in his life. That was one day. Here's the next day. Here's what he said. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Not just, it wasn't just dripping a little bit. It was a bowl full of water. Then, Gideon said to God, Okay, I'll do it. Is that what your Bible says? No. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Uh, let, me just, <laughs> let me just one more request. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, and all the ground was covered with dew. There's a period of about three days there. Day by day by day, Gideon is doing business with God. You see, before God can ever work through a man, he has to work in a man. And day by day, Gideon is doing business with God. Day by day, by day he's reluctant. Day by day, he's doubting. Day by day, he's wondering. Day by day, he's struggling. But day by day, he's doing business with God. I wonder what might happen in your life if you had a day-by-day relationship with Almighty God. If day by day, he was talking to you, and day by day, you were talking to him. That's the first phrase I want to give you today. Self-denial. Day by day, we have to struggle with this concept of I can't, but God can. That's what self-denial is. Self-denial is I won't be living for myself anymore, but I'll live for you. I will stop living for me. I will live for you. But in order to do that, I need to know that you can do what you're calling me to do. Self-denial. Here's the second phrase. Write this one down. The second phrase that explains what day-by-day living is like is Complete dedication. Complete dedication. You see, God still had to do some work in Gideon. God still had to do some changing in him. And I love the way the story unfolds because those days were not over. Those days of God working in his heart and God working in his life. We go to chapter 7. Here's the next day. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands, into their hands, in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So he announced that, and guess what happened? So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. So, so he's got 32,000 people, 32,000 soldiers, and Gideon says, okay, if anybody's scared, you can go home. 22,000 went home. 
Don't you think Gideon wanted to be one of those? He, remember now, a few days ago, he was saying, who am I? I can't do this. And all of a sudden, he sees 22,000 soldiers walk away and 10,000 left. Day by day, day by day, day by day, God does His work in you. So that He can do His work through you. And God wasn't done. Look what happened. God throws Gideon a curve that is bigger than even that one. Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Do what? There's still too many men. There's 10,000. I know, I need every one of them. There's still too, too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Day by day, learning complete dedication. So here's what happens. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told them, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 and took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. You've got to get this, verse 8. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept how many? Day by day, learning, complete dedication. When God gives you a, a God-sized assignment, when God wants to work through your life, what He's really working for is complete dedication. When things happen in your life that you don't understand, when there are challenges before you that you feel weak to accomplish, when things are bigger than you are, what God is trying to accomplish in you is complete dedication. Completely dedicated without reservation. Completely dedicated without hesitation. Completely dedicated to the Lord your God. That was what God was doing in Gideon's life. God was slowly working in him. So that God could work through him. And we come to the third phrase that I want to give you today. That is willing obedience. Day by day. Having a willing obedience. Look what it says in verse 9, chapter 7, verse 9. Gideon, Gideon's army now, remember, is down to 300. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. If you're afraid, go down and listen. I'm going to show you something. 
Again, day by day, God's working in his life. God probably saw, well, maybe I should say it this way, God probably heard his knees knocking even in heaven. Because he says, get in if you are afraid, because you don't have 32,000, nor do you have 10,000, now you only have 300. If you are afraid, I want you to go down to the camp tonight and listen. Because day by day, I'm working in you, so I can work through you. So let's see what happens. Middle of verse 11, so he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. It was, it was beyond their ability to count. It was beyond their ability to conquer. This was a, a, a God-sized assignment. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Now, the Gideon is hiding. Remember, he's hiding in the darkness. But he hears this man telling a friend his dream. And here's the dream. He says, I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this is going to be nothing other than sort of, of Gideon. Son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he did what? He worshiped God. There in the darkness, on the outskirts of the camp, just him and Pura, he worshiped God because day by day, he was beginning to see God do something special. In his life. Here's, this was the man. Who just a few days ago. Said who am I. That I would do this. So let's see what happens. When Gideon heard the dream. And its interpretation. He worshipped God. And he returned to the camp of Israel. And called out, I love this, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now he's willing to go. Now he's willing to obey. He was not willing to do that previously. He was reluctant to do that previously. He didn't think God could use him previously. He was the least of all the, his family. And his family was the least of all the tribes. And his tribe was the least of all of Israel. He didn't think he could ever do anything like this, but now, now he's willing to go. Now he's willing to charge. Now he's willing to be the leader. Now suddenly God's going to work through him because God's done a powerful work in him. Willing obedience. Day by day, obeying what God has said. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to have that day-by-day -day experience with God so that God can do that special work in you and eventually do a special work through you. And so I want to make sure you get these three phrases. Say them to me out loud, please. Give me the three. The first phrase was what? Self-denial. Day-by-day, self-denial. Day-by-day, putting His plans above your plans. Day-by-day, day, believing in Him. Self-denial. 
What was number two? Complete dedication. Day by day, complete dedication. Not partial dedication, not a part-time Christian. Day by day, complete dedication. What was the third one? Absolute obedience. Day by day, absolute or willing obedience. Now, I want you to go to Luke chapter 9 because we see this same concept in something that Jesus said. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, self-denial, take up his cross daily, complete dedication, and follow me. Absolute obedience. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and what's that next word? Daily. Mark that in your Bible. Daily. Deny himself daily. Take up his cross daily. Follow me daily. It's that day by day. Day by day. Having that relationship with the Lord where it's self-denial, complete dedication, willing obedience. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I wonder what God could do through your life if you did that day by day. Only he knows. But I do know this. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for this time. He's got a plan in mind for you. For right now. Don't be a past tense Christian. Be a present tense follower of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I prayed in the name of Jesus. That we will indeed allow you to work in our lives day by day. And as we allow you to work in us day by day, may you begin to do a work through us that can only be acknowledged by your goodness and your power. That can only be explained by you. And I pray over these dear people, Father. Uh, that today, as, as they're wrestling with their own problems, their own challenges, as they're wondering, God, if you really are real, why is all of this happening? If you really are real, where are you at and what, is, what are you doing? As we face these challenges in life and as we face opportunities, may we trust you and follow you day by day. And I pray that in Christ's name.